G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Historians tell us we've been celebrating Christmas since the 4th century. But coming up today, Pastor Greg Laurie brings us a surprising fact about the holiday. The first mention of Christmas goes way, way back before Bethlehem, before Mary and Joseph, before shepherds and wise men, before Caesar Augustus and Herod the Great and the innkeeper. In fact, the first mention of Christmas was B.C., this is the day when the lost are found This is the day for a new beginning Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Again you hear all the angels are singing This is the day, the day when life begins Christmas time can look very different in many parts of the world. In the US, you'd see wintertime scenes of sleighs and snow-covered Christmas trees. And here in Australia, December 25th is right in the middle of a scorching summer. But regardless of how Christmas may look across the world, there's so much to learn about this very important holiday. And today, Pastor Greg Laurie takes to the book of Genesis for a thorough Bible study. I don't know if you read that news story that happened not too long ago about a scuba diver who was rescued by mermaids. Did any of you hear this story? Scuba diver rescued by mermaids. I'm thinking, wait, what? So I read the article and it says that there's a man named Pablo Avila who was scuba diving off of Catalina and suddenly he blacked out and he cried out help and it turns out there was a group of professional mermaids and a swim instructor nearby. Now these are ladies that wear the tail like a mermaid, but they're very able swimmers. You have to learn how to swim uh, with that on and they do performances and so forth. So they go, they grab the guy and they rescue him, giving him mouth to mouth resuscitation. What do you think he was thinking when he woke up? I've been rescued by a mermaid, wow. It could have been worse, it could have been a merman, or thankfully it was a mermaid. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's laughable because we think of mermaids as not being real. Of course, that's true. It's sort of like a fairy tale came true. That reminds me a little bit of the Christmas story. You know, we hear it so often, it can almost sound a little bit like a fairy tale. But of course, it's a true story. It's marked specifically in time and the way it's presented to us in the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew. But really, it has all the elements of fairy tale stories we've loved from our childhood. We have singing angels, a shining star, mysterious wise men, and the miraculous birth of the Savior. But the real story of Christmas goes way, way back before Bethlehem, before Mary and Joseph, before shepherds and wise men, before Caesar Augustus and 
Herod the Great and the innkeeper. In fact, the first mention of Christmas was BC. Now as you know, BC stands for before Christ. You say, how's that possible that it's BC? Because the story of redemption goes way back to a garden. And it starts with a tree. You might say it's the first Christmas tree. It wasn't decorated with bright lights or ornaments like our Christmas trees today. It was a mysterious tree. Uh, and Adam and Eve were strictly forbidden to go even near it. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So scene one, God says, enjoy the garden. Enjoy everything in the garden, but stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Scene two, Adam and Eve standing by the tree. <laughs> Why? Why? Because we're always drawn to the thing that we're not supposed to go to. And there at the tree they met Satan coming to them in the form of a serpent or a snake. And he says, go ahead and eat of this fruit and the day you eat thereof you'll be like a God knowing good and evil. They needed no further proof. Genesis 3, 6 says, the woman was convinced the fruit looked so good and delicious and it would make her wife so she ate of the fruit and gave it to her husband. He ate it too. Wow. As soon as they took that bite, they regretted it. And they did not become as gods as the devil promised because he's a liar. They became as fools. And worst of all, they lost their fellowship with God. I mean, think about this. Every day in the Garden of Eden, God showed up as the sun was setting. And he and Adam would take a little walk in the garden together. And Adam would tell the Lord all the beautiful things that he had discovered. But on this particular day, after Adam and Eve had eaten of the forbidden fruit, the Lord came, but Adam wasn't waiting for him as usual. He was hiding. And the Lord calls out to Adam, Adam, where are you? And Adam responds, we heard your voice and we were naked and ashamed, so we hid ourselves. The Lord said, who told you that you had sinned? So here's the point. Why did God ask that question? Did he ask it because he was oblivious to the whereabouts of Adam and Eve? No. He asked it because he wanted them to confess their sin. It's like when I used to play hide and seek with my grandchildren when they were really little. They would hide behind the curtain. But I could see their feet. But I would act like I didn't see him, and then I would discover them and they'd say, let's do it again, Papa. And they would go back to the same place again. <laughs> they hadn't learned the art of deception yet, right? That's us hiding from God. That's us running from God. Where are you, Adam? The Lord wants Adam to come clean. But instead of coming clean, Adam offers the first excuse in human history. And he says, it's the woman you gave me. She gave me of the fruit and I ate. Now I wonder how he said that. Did he say it's the woman, putting the blame on Eve. In other words, Lord, I take a nap, I wake up, a, a rib is missing and she's here. <laughs> I didn't ask for this. Or did he say it's the woman you gave me, putting the blame on God. Like, hey Lord, this was your idea, this is your fault, whatever it is, he's not taking responsibility. You know, the other night I was watching television with my wife and, and she leaves the room and I hear this crunching sound. I said, what are you doing? She's like over there kind of hiding, eating pretzels with peanut butter in them. I happen to really love those. I said, what are you doing? I'm eating a couple of those pretzels. And then she gave me one. I said, you're just like Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
It's happening all over again because I go into a feeding frenzy. I don't know what it is with those pretzels with peanut butter in them. Have you ever tried those? I think they're amazing. But um, so then what happens now? The woman shifts the blame as well. Well, it's not my fault. The serpent tricked me. No one's taking responsibility. That brings us to the first Christmas verse. The first Christmas verse. It's not Isaiah 9, 6. It says, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. You'll call his name Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Nor is it Micah 5, 2 that says, you Bethlehem, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth one whose origins have been from everlasting. No, the first Christmas verse is Genesis 3.15 where God speaks directly to Satan and he says to Satan, there is coming one who will crush your head but you will bruise his heel. So Satan was now on alert. Game on. The battle lines were drawn. The Lord is saying, the Messiah is gonna come and he's going to crush your head. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Today, Pastor Greg is offering important perspective on Christmas as seen from the pages of the Old Testament. Let's continue. The devil knew that Messiah was coming through the Jewish people and anti-Semitism was born. What is anti-Semitism? It's the hatred of Jewish people. And this is something that comes from Satan himself and we see this going clear back to the Garden of Eden. He knew Messiah was coming. He knew Messiah would be a Jew. So now he's gonna do everything he can to stop him from coming. We all know the Dr. Seuss story, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. In fact, some people know that story better than the real Christmas story in the Bible. Well, this is a story of the devil who tried to stop Christmas. The battle starts in Genesis and goes all the way through to the book of Revelation. In the book of Exodus, we have the Pharaoh who gives the order that all the little Jewish baby boys are to be put to death, but the Hebrew midwives refuse to do it. And, uh, and Moses is spared, and of course he ends up leading the Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt and the great Exodus. But there's the devil trying to stop the Jews already. We go over to the book of Esther. We have a wicked man named Haman who hatches a plot to have the Jewish people exterminated. His plot was thwarted by Queen Esther who was Jewish and Haman ended up hanging on the gallows that he built for another. These were all attempts to stop Christmas and specifically stop Christ from coming. Then you go to King Herod in the New Testament, Gospel of Matthew. These mysterious men from the east that we call the wise men come looking for the one who was called the king of the Jews. That was the worst thing you could say to a paranoid tyrant like Herod because that was his title. So what does he do? He gives a decree that all the Jewish baby boys there born in Bethlehem are to be put to death. Again, another attempt to stop Christ from coming. But nothing would stop the Messiah from coming and nothing will stop Christ from coming back again. He's coming. And God will always have the last word. And right on time, 
Jesus arrived on planet Earth, born in that manger in Bethlehem. As Galatians tells us, uh, he was born of a woman made under the law to redeem those that are under the law. But then it says, when the time was just right, this happened. So everything was right on schedule. Now, did Jesus begin his existence in Bethlehem? The answer is no. Let me say it this way. He entered our world as a member of the human race, but he was fully God and yet fully human. So that is when he came to us with flesh. But Jesus has always been there. Jesus has always existed. He, like the Father, is eternal because he is God. Along with the Holy Spirit and the Father, Christ is co-eternal and co-equal. He has no beginning or end. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So the real Christmas story does not begin in Bethlehem or even on planet Earth. It begins in heaven where it was determined that Jesus Christ would come to our planet because Jesus has always been there and he will always be there. As the Bible says, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So was there a Christ before Christmas? Was there a Jesus or was Jesus there before Bethlehem? The answer is yes. So the Christmas story is not just telling us about an arrival as in a birth. It's also the story of a departure. Back to Isaiah 9-6. Unto us a child is born. That's the arrival. But then it goes on to say, unto us a son is given. That's a departure from heaven. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. That reminds us of his deity as he came to our planet. But there are pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament. Theologians call these appearances a Christophany. And Jesus himself alluded to these Christophanies. In other words, he reminded people, I've been around a long time. Uh, example, uh, he was talking with the Jewish leaders and, uh, and they asked him, are you greater than Abraham? And Jesus said uh, in John 8, uh, hey, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean he saw your day? You're not even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham and Jesus says, hey guys, before Abraham was, I am. Oh, I was there. I knew Abraham. We hung out together. Genesis 22 is the story of Abraham and Isaac. That's a son of Abraham. So Abraham and his wife Sarah were not able to have children and they got very old. The Lord had promised that they were gonna have a son and through that son would come the Jewish race. And uh, it wasn't happening. And then suddenly, Sarah gets pregnant. They're excited. Isaac is born. And the very name Isaac means laughter. He brought so much joy into their home. That boy was the light of their life. But one day God asked the incomprehensible. He said to Abraham, take your son and offer him as a sacrifice. Genesis 22, 1 he tested Abraham's faith and obedience. Abraham, God says. Abraham says, yes, Lord, here I am. God says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. Isaac asks his father, hey, dad, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? 
Abraham prophetically says, Genesis 22, 8, my son God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Picture this scene. Abraham and Isaac carrying the wood to put on the altar for the sacrifice. Now, in sometimes in religious art, you have Isaac portrayed as a very little boy. No, he was a young man. Uh, a full-grown young man. And he knew what was happening. He wasn't stupid. He agreed to this. He could have said, I see what's happening here, Dad. And I'm thinking, you're kind of an old dude and I'm young. Why don't we sacrifice you instead of me? What do you think about that, huh, Dad? It's not like Abraham could overpower Isaac. Isaac was going along with this. Uh, Genesis 22, 8 says, the two of them went together. And is this not a picture of what happened at the cross? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working toward this goal of the redemption of mankind. The Father making the ultimate sacrifice in giving His Son, back to Isaiah 9:6, unto us a Son is given. The Son making the ultimate sacrifice in laying His life down for us. Remember Jesus said, no one takes my life I lay it down of my own accord. And what God said to Abraham is reminiscent of what Jesus did. He says in Genesis 22, take your son, your only son, whom you love so much. And what do we read Jesus saying in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have ever lasting life. So back to our story. Here's Isaac laying down on that altar, knowing what's about to happen. Here's the father taking the knife. Now we're told elsewhere in scripture, Abraham believed if Isaac died, God would raise him from the dead, which was quite a lot of faith considering the fact no one had been raised from the dead in the Bible yet. But he was believing God. And as the knife is ready to come down, the angel of the Lord shouts to him, Genesis 22, 11. Abraham, Abraham, he says, yes, I'm listening. The Lord says, lay down the knife. Don't hurt the boy in any way. For I know you truly fear God and you have not withheld your beloved son from me. Okay, so here's the Christophany, ready? It was not just an angel of the Lord. This angel is identified as the angel of the Lord. The angel says, you have not withheld your beloved son from me. But who gave Abraham the order to do this? God. So I believe this was not an angel. I believe this was Christ himself, a Christophany, an Old Testament appearance of Jesus right there in this amazing moment. And this reminds us that God is with us in our times of testing. Pastor Greg Laurie with such important insight on the coming birth of Christ as revealed in the Old Testament. And that's why Pastor Greg has titled today's message Christmas BC. But the Christmas story is more than the baby in the manger. It's all about the Saviour who died on the cross for our sins. Pastor Greg has an important thought for those who've never considered what the Lord came to do for us. God loved you so much that 2,000 years ago, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins and then to rise again from the dead. 
And now Jesus, who died and rose, is standing at the door of your life, and he is knocking. And he says, if you'll hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. Would you like Jesus Christ to come into your life? Would you like your sin forgiven? Would you like to fill the hole in your soul? Would you like to go to heaven when you die? If so, just stop what you're doing and pray this prayer with me. You can pray it out loud if you like. You can pray it in the quietness of your heart if you choose, but pray this prayer. This is a prayer of asking Jesus Christ to come into your life. Pray these words. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. I turn from that sin now, and I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering this prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, did you just pray that prayer? If so, I want to congratulate you and be the first to say, welcome to the family of God. Yeah, that's right. And we want to help you get started in this new walk with the Lord. We want to send you Pastor Greg's New Believers Growth Pack. It'll answer many of your questions and help you to build a strong foundation in your faith. We send it free of charge when you call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would love to pray with you too. Call 1-800-772-936 today. Join us next time on A New Beginning for more insight on what we can learn about Christmas from the pages of the Old Testament. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Christmas BC. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.